0: Welcome back to Jack Wagon Sports. It is time once again for the podcast. We've taken a week off. Uh, it's, it's felt weird not having to do it out of the tunnel this past Saturday, not doing the podcast this week. It's been like a little mini vacation. Uh, but we are back. We have a new format for the entire show. We're excited to bring that to you guys. We have a lot to talk about. And so we're just going to go ahead and just get right into it. Our first topic today we are just going to discuss is with bowl season. Uh, it feels like, and I, I think this is a general consensus around the country, is that bowl season has lost its luster the, the past few years here. Um, you know, is there, is there too many bowls, especially with players opting out? And again, I don't hold anything against those guys that opt out, you know, want to set, sit out, prepare for the draft, and so on. Uh, but it definitely takes away from the games. A, a lot of these matchups that we're supposed to be seeing between two great teams, as soon as you take, I mean, I'm going to use a Texas-Washington game as an example. I was really looking forward to that. With Bijan Robinson not playing, and again, I don't I don't blame him, but it kind of takes away from that matchup a little bit. We'll have to see what Texas can do without him. Um, but we've seen that throughout the years now, and there, there's so many other matchups this year that have been impacted by players sitting out. Um, so all three of us have, have taken a different approach and uh, how we want to improve bowl season and so on. Uh, Nick, I'm going to let you go first, because Slade and I, we talked about it in the group chat the other day. I know it's going to upset me, so I want you to go first. We have a calm... Introduction here before Slate and I start fighting.
1: Yeah, I got you. So, um, really, like there's one kind of big umbrella solution, I think to the whole thing, but when you're looking at something like this, first you gotta figure out where your problem's at. and I, I think we all could agree on the problem is bowl games just don't matter like they used to. Like now with the college football playoffs, that's everybody's goal. People don't look at bowl games the same. Like you used to go to a Rose Bowl. And it, you know, it could feel like a, a national championship game to you, whereas now it's uh, where well, you were kind of close to, you know, the college football playoffs, but you weren't there. Um, so, like I said, you know, that that's the big issue here. Now, obviously, how are we going to fix that? So if, uh, while I think that fixing it is possible, it's definitely a whole lot easier uh, said than done. The first problem is or, you know, the first thing I want to address is making them mean a little more. <clears throat> so, obviously most of the players who are, you know, your big name players are especially the ones that are getting ready for the NFL draft. The game doesn't offer them anything other than an an extra chance to get injured. So like you said, I don't blame anybody that's getting ready for the NFL for opting out. You know, you're talking about playing this one game that in all honesty, doesn't change anything for the season. It might help, you know, your team and the momentum they carry into the off season. But as far as how your season looks, a bowl or loss doesn't really change a whole lot for you. So by all means, they're going to, you know, do what they need to do to go make their money. Um, and for that small portion of those players that might use it as an opportunity to go out there and showcase like, Hey, I'm currently sitting on a fifth round draft pick. Um, you know, normally I have this wide receiver that takes a lot of the touches and I'm a running back. This is my chance to show that I can carry this team, show NFL teams what I can do. Um, but that's really a, that's really it. I mean, there's there's a couple of teams, you know, especially like the lower conferences, maybe the Mac or something that might look at these bowl games as a chance to get in front of more people, um, you know, which obviously that's a completely different subject. But for this, I'm I mainly am focusing on, you know, the, the big schools that we think about. Um, obviously, like I said, those small ones matter, but <clears throat> just for the sake of not sitting here for two hours talking about it. Um, so another thing that we kind of talked about it in the group chat as a group attendance at these bowl games. There's a lot of times where you see a whole lot of empty seats. What do you do about that? Obviously, keep players aren't playing. Um, you Like you said, you brought up Texas. Bijan Robinson's not there. I mean, how many people show up just to watch somebody like Bijan John Robinson play? Probably a decent amount. He's not there. You're going to lose some people. Uh, some fans the game isn't going to mean as much you're going to lose some more fans Um, and you might get put into situations where you might lose to a team where if you played them in the regular season you should have crushed them fans might not want to come for that whatever the situation may be um, you know we're here to try to find a fix for it so how do we fix it I, I think as far as making the games mean more I think that there has to be some sort of I get this is difficult because it depends on how many wins that these teams get. But I think that there should be more of an aspect of trying to get rivalries, especially old rivalries that aren't really played anymore. Uh, Like the barrel of nails game that was on the other day uh, came to my mind that hadn't been played for a couple of years. Some players might not even realize it was a thing. They found out about it and it kind of gave them a little extra hype for that. So I think if we can get more rivalry games, especially old rivalries, don't get to play often um that'll obviously bring a little more to it as far as the fans go and the attendance i think that if you can find a way to up the attendance um even if you don't necessarily change the meaning of the games for these players and these teams and these coaches i think that that can change the game as a whole like when you get a full crowd especially so you get a crowd that's half and half and when the momentum's on one side the crowd seems like it's a home you know a home game for them and then the next then other teams on an um has some momentum and now it sounds like a home game for them i think that can cause a better product on the field which in turn will continue to get more attendance and yada yada so i kind of focused on the attendance aspect of it because let's be honest it's not easy to make these games more important um so just a little idea i had some sort of monetary incentive for attendance base in games like you go in and maybe when you scan your ticket like somehow it would register like you're a fan of this team or you're a fan of this team. And then uh, just something small, like a $10,000 scholarship award for the team that has the most attendance at the fans, that's going to cause more fans to want to come because you know, students and alumni and all that, when it comes to helping out their school, like that's just going to give a little bit of an extra edge. So that was kind of my like one simple thing that we could do here. Um, Get the attendance taken care of, get some rivalry games in here. And, you know, just see where that goes. Um, But I'm I'm definitely interested to hear because I know I could have gone a lot of ways with this. So I'm intrigued to hear uh, what you guys have to say about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Before I throw it to slate, I just want to add a a little bit on to what you just said. Um, I think the schools themselves need to do more to get fans to the games. Uh, One, I I don't think we need to be playing a bowl game in the Bahamas. I understand that's really cool. It's a lot of fun to send players there. But families and and people can't afford that. They're not going to go travel there. And again, yeah, it's really cool to go play in the Bahamas. But at the same time, you you know, you're not giving a lot of people a chance to go to that football game that want to. Um, But I I think schools need to do more. Listen, they're getting a lot of money, especially the winning side, from going to these bowl games. Uh, $225,000 is the the least amount that a bowl game is paying out. That is the Bahamas Bowl. Um, You can't tell me some of those schools can't take that money. Hey, let's pay. Let's send a full student section to the game. Uh, I, again, I understand the Bahamas is a little difficult, but for the U.S. based games, I think that's definitely a possibility. Hey, let's yeah. get some get some of our our people there. Let's you know get loud, like you just said. That'll definitely help the games themselves. Um, and I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about my ideas here in a minute. But I, I think the schools themselves need to get involved with sending yeah. people to the bowl games. Uh, I mean, we saw it with the all the other uh, D two, the FCS, all those championship games we've seen so far. Schools are sending a lot of students down there, you know, to basically fill out a full student section. Uh, you know, we, we've seen them cut to what looks like student sections at some of these other bowl games so far in the band section. I mean, it's half empty. and it, You can just tell there's no incentive for the for the kids to go there. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the schools need to have a bigger role in doing that. Uh, Slate, I'll, I'll go to you now uh, before I give my ideas. Let's um, hear your, your, your thoughts.
2: Yeah. So first, just are you guys able to hear me okay? Yeah. 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 Okay, so I'm going to start with the negatives of the bowl season to begin with, and then I'll go into some of the things that add on to some of the fixes that Nick has already offered and and that you kind of added to. Uh, The first thing is I am just tired of seeing 6-6 and teams play against another 6-6 and team for a bowl game in wherever. I mean, you have two East Coast teams playing on the West Coast where Mm -hmm. their fans aren't going to, and yep. you see that there's maybe fifteen thousand fans in in the stadium, and this might be like five thousand of the people that live in that area that are like, oh, you know what? Like we get to go to one game a year. It's super cheap to get to because nobody's mm-hmm. buying tickets for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and and it's always like a Tuesday, so like you have two yeah. six and six teams play on a Tuesday in Idaho. <laughs> um it's these teams should not be missing any team that's six and six should not be missing Christmas with their family or just in general to go play a game that means nothing for them. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a lot of these games don't pay a lot. Um, $250,000 for the Bahama bowl game that pays the fees of what it costs to get the team there and back. Um, One of the teams was mentioning that the Hawaii bowl is the same way that it costs a lot to house the people out there house their, their staff along with the players and stuff and the hotels and stuff um also i mean just just from experience of, of going to a different country george you just went to one for your honeymoon um small places like the bahamas the resorts are what that that's the job that people have like that yeah. that's their year-round thing like people work at two different resorts like there's nothing else to do so these people not mm-hmm. only like just work for weeks on end to get this one stadium that's on this island ready for this game and then it's just like a, i feel like it's a disappointment for the people that just did all that hard work to see maybe a third of it filled up um and so so that's a big thing um i, I think that 90 percent of the good players on these teams are sitting out mm-hmm. If, if they're not in the playoffs, they're sitting out. I mean, we saw something that I definitely did not think this was going to happen. Bryce Young and I forget who are the other Alabama. Bro well, Anderson. Roe well, Anderson. That, yeah. Yeah. That they're that they're going to play. Um. I, I in recent years here, I haven't heard something like that of of these two very very talented players that are
1: easily top players. As I said, I think they're both projected like top five, top six. Correct.
2: Yeah. And and they're going to play a game that means absolutely nothing for for playoff implications you know mm-hmm. um the big schools that had mediocre seasons like maybe a Wisconsin um I don't think that they even need to play this game that they want the season to be over job they failed the job I mean they a Wisconsin team should have been uh I don't know like a 9-7 team or something like that this year and they went 6-6 and I mean that's they don't want to go play in some game the day after Christmas um and and play another team that I think that they're playing like Oklahoma state. Yeah. Um. Uh, the big schools have money. They don't need these games to have a little extra income at the end of the year. Right. And the little schools just got done getting paid a big paycheck to pay all, play all the big schools all season long. I mean, mm-hmm. we see these things we've talked about it all season. Um some school goes into Tennessee and gets paid $1 million to play the game and wins or something like, you know, you see it each season, it happens. Some team got paid over half a million dollars to go play this game and they end up squeaking it out. Uh, the only person that's making money in any of this situation is the the bowl committee, whoever, whoever's setting up the, the funding for these bowls, the, all of the ads and stuff like that. And so I think that just from that standpoint, anything outside of the playoffs, I mean, I, I feel like before anything outside the New York Six was just kind of like you didn't really get good matchups. Right. I think this year, te- uh, Tennessee Clemson and Alabama's game are like the two that I'm looking forward to aside from our big game that we're betting on this Friday. Um, mm-hmm.
1: it, it's just difficult. I like how you to, threw
2: that in there. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just difficult to to watch some of these games because like I already said, a lot of the players are sitting out. I mean, why? why yeah. if they already got beat up all season, then they're going to sit out this game. They're, they're done for the season. Uh, One of the things that I think that you had said that's a really good idea is students, if they can show a valid student ID, I don't know, uh, put it in on the website of some sorts, it should be a free ticket. Yeah. Because a lot of these schools are offering bus rides for the students to go to these places. Now, they have to pay for their hotel, everything while they're there. But you can buy like $50 ticket to get on a Greyhound bus with the rest of the students and they're shipping a bunch of students out to the games if it's in the U.S. Um, I, I just think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even if they sell only 50,000 people are going to go do this, I mean, that's 50,000 more than the 100,000 open seats at some of these games that we're seeing. Um, yeah. So so that's just, just my thought. I, I mean, I don't think that, I think the main point that I want to make here is that Nobody that went 500 on the season should be missing Christmas to play a bowl game. Yeah.
0: No, uh, I I 100% agree. I thought you were going to bring up the things you said the other day about uh, teams that have a player sit out can't play. Um, But no, uh, everything you just said there, I I 100% 100 agree agree with with that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, So I I brought two solutions forward. One is to fix bowl games, uh, and one is to almost just completely get rid of them. Uh, So to my idea for fixing bowl season, um, One, players get paid to go to the bowl games. Uh, we see now with NILs, it is legal to get paid. Uh, I think if your team is able to make a bowl game, uh, players should absolutely get some of that payout from the bowl game, whether you win, lose, whatever, I don't care. Uh, that should help us incentivize some of these players. Now, obviously, again, we said it was surprising with Bryce Young and Will Anderson. If you're a guaranteed first-round pick, yeah, it's going to be very hard to tempt you to stay, unless it is for a national championship. But maybe those guys that are projected fifth, sixth, seventh rounds maybe, Uh, that are kind of thinking about it, hey, you're going to get paid. All right, I'll go ahead. I'll I'll play one more game for my coach, so on. Um, I I think players absolutely deserve to get a cut of the winnings. Coaches get a cut of the winnings. Coaches get bonuses half the time for making bowl games. Again, like you said, you're going 500. That shouldn't be celebrated. Um, But here they are. They make a bowl game. They win. They get a huge paycheck from that. I think the players deserve that as well. Um, I think we need less bowl games. We have 43 right now, including the national championship. I think that is a little outrageous. Um, uh, listen, I, am I understand a lot of these places need the tourism. Um, uh, but like we're saying here, a lot of these bowl games don't get much attendance. I, I'm sorry. I don't need to see a, a Birmingham bowl. I don't need to see a Bahamas bowl. I don't need to see a Fenway bowl. I'll, I'll never stop saying this playing bowl games and baseball games is stupid. Um, so I, I came up with a plan. So you, you have nine playoff games with the upcoming format, um, I think you have 20 bowls outside of that. that, That's it. You have 20 bowl games. Uh, The top two from each conference, uh, and if, say, Georgia goes to the playoffs, you take the next team, so the third-place team from the SEC, everybody moves up a spot, if that makes sense. Uh, You get 20 bowl games. That's it. Um, You you have to finish the top two in your conference. We're seeing a lot of these uh, conferences now. Uh, The Pac-12 has done it. The Big Twelve does it. Uh, it's announced that the ACC and the SEC will be doing this. I'm assuming the Big Ten is following suit as well. They're getting rid of divisions. It's your conference championship game is going to be number one versus number two, and so I think that'll help lay this bowl format out too easily. Easily, uh, like I said, the top two that are not in the playoffs, they get to go to the bowl game. Um, that makes you work a lot harder to get there, and it makes a lot more rewarding once you do. Hey, you know, we missed the playoffs, but we've had a really good season. We finished second in our conference, and here we are. We get we get to go to a bowl game now. We've actually earned this. We haven't just lucked into, you know, a six and six record. Um, and again, it's been very exciting to see a lot of these teams, like UConn and, and Kansas. Hey, they they're bowl eligible for the first time, and I applaud their programs because they are coming from basically the bottom of the barrel, and now they're they're going to a bowl game. But that Myrtle Beach Bowl was one of the worst football games I've ever watched. UConn could not move the ball. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations, you made it there. But God damn, that was awful to watch. And a lot of the – there have been some great bowl games so far. The Toledo-Liberty game last night was a lot of fun to watch. It was back and forth. Toledo had a great second-half comeback. And there has there have been a few bowl games, but there's also been like the Las Vegas Bowl where Oregon State just mopped the floor of Florida. And, and uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, like I mentioned, there's been plenty of bad bowl games to go along with it as well. Um, so that's, that's my way to improve bowl games. Just cut it in half. Basically. Um, my, my plan to basically get rid of bowl games, uh, is adopt the FCS playoff structure. Uh, you have 24 teams, 10 conference champions make it, which works out because we have 10 conferences in F, uh, uh, major division one college football. Um, so 10 conference champs, they instantly make the playoffs. I don't care if you're the Mac champion or whatever. You are now in the playoffs. You have a chance to win. Uh, and then you have 14 at large bids. You can do that rankings. However, they want to do it. That I believe that's how the FCS does it. Whoever it's in the top 14. That's not a conference champion just gets in. Uh, the first two rounds are played at the higher seed. that gives the number one seed a chance to play one game at home. Um, and then the semifinal and final rounds will be played at a bowl location. That is your new year's six bowls. Um, and then you just take a random location for your championship game. I think that is the best way to do it. Um, uh, we are begrudging against the, this 12-team playoff format that we're expanding to, and it's just 12 teams is so stupid. Like it, it is v- very, very dumb to have a 12-team playoff, and I, I don't agree with that aspect. Um, but I mean, rest in the peace to Mike Leach. He's always had a great point. Every other major division of football is smart enough to have a multiple-team playoff structure, yet the FBS drugged their feet for years just to go to the 14 team playoff. And now we're expanding to a 12-team playoff, which makes less sense than anything. Um, but, I mean, you're looking at FCS, which is literally half-step below FBS. And they have a great playoff structure figured out. Their playoffs are a lot of fun to watch. Now, they oh, yeah. do uh, – the highest seed is, is the home team throughout the whole playoffs until the championship game. Then they go down to Waco, Texas. Um, or yeah, – I think it's Waco. Uh, either way, but – I I don't understand why we can't look at that and implement that. D2, D3 do it. NFL, the, high school, everybody up does playoffs until you get to FBS Division one, and it's like, well, now we do it, but now we do it really dumb. Uh, I, I think the FCS playoff structure would bring a lot of fun to the playoffs. It, it would bring a lot of interest to it. I would love to see Toledo play You know, a, a bigger school. Yeah, they might get mocked, but they might also go out there, upset them, they might get a huge – freaking thing it's broke. Uh, they might get a huge win. Uh, they, they can set a lot of precedent for their program going forward. Um, and then it helps balance out recruiting too. You, you can say, hey, listen, we have a chance to make the playoffs now. We have a chance to win a title. Um, I think the FCS playoff structure would be the best way to go forward. Uh, but if we're going to keep going with the bowl games themselves, like I said, I think the first way is the best. Just cut them in half. We don't need 43. Uh, we don't need to see – Thirty-six and 16s play each other, um, but those those are my two thoughts.
2: Uh, any <clears throat> thoughts from you two on that? Slade,
1: so, so you want to struggle? say
2: something? Uh, not about that. I have a quick quick hypothetical after after. Go ahead. Uh, I, I liked your points. Hold on. All
1: right. Well, while well, he's sitting there messing with his shit, so um, I, even though he can't hear me, I I agreed with him a lot. I think that the. If we're going to keep bowl games, obviously, we got to find a way to make it work. But I think that just going to the FCS structure would solve a lot. Because, uh, again, my biggest, you know, the big problem for me was these games don't mean anything. Well, now your bowl game is an extended playoff. And if you're in there, it's going to matter because every game that you have the opportunity to play is a game that can get you closer and closer to the national championship, whether you're, you know, group of five or power five. Um, so yeah, I, I really liked everything that George had to say there. I'm glad he gave the two different perspectives. Oh, and as far as like the keeping the bowl games, um, when I, actually I was sitting here writing these notes and, you know, we talked about the six and six teams, like in the middle of the season, um, at least me and George, I don't remember if Slade was so bad, but like we were on the Kansas Bay and wagon, we got excited when they made bowl eligibility and that kind of made me realize like the way the structure of the bowl season now is basically one big participation trophy. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you didn't do great, but you did better than say 50% of the other teams. So here's an extra game for you. Like, so I, I think overall the big fix just needs to be like George said, an extended playoff structure. Um, But obviously, you know, that it's kind of hard to do because think about all these companies that make money off of sponsoring and shit. So I don't Uh know.
0: Any, any more um, thoughts from you, slate, for a move on?
2: Yeah, so I think that the home team getting home field advantage is a great plan. Then they just named that field. Like, okay, this game is the Peach Bowl. Okay, this game is that. Like, I think that that's what they should go forward with I, Um, in those terms. I, I really hmm. love the idea of the Rose Bowl being the championship every single year. Yeah. It's called the granddaddy of them all. Um, yeah. I really like that idea. I also think that maybe you keep, um, you rotate those six uh, New Year's Six, but well, I guess it would be the five other ones, right? Um, mm-hmm. You rotate those through the semifinals, basically. Then, like, the, the you can play the semifinals at those locations or whatever, but like, the taxpayer bowl doesn't need to be at that specific state. Like, if these companies want to sponsor these things, they can mm-hmm. sponsor, but it's going to be at the sh- the horseshoe or it's going to be at uh, what's Alabama Stadium called, whatever. But anyway. Bryant-Denny, um, yeah. Yeah, so I just think that that's what they need to do going forward. Also, I mean, if the playoffs were the 12-team format and the conferences were the way that they're going to be here in the future, I mean, can you imagine we would have seen Ohio State and Michigan play in the regular season, then they'd have played again for the Big Ten championship. If Ohio State closed the gap, or even won by a few points, they'd have both went to the playoffs,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I mean, we would have seen we would have seen them possibly play three games in one season, which would be ridiculous. I mean, same yeah. if you got to see Georgia, Alabama, or or any of these teams. I mean,
0: yeah, uh, just the like you said with just na- renaming like the the playoff games as bowl games. The, the, like if, so, my proposal: the first two rounds are the higher seed. I wouldn't just name like. The second round game hosted at Georgia, like the Tax Slayer Bowl. I I would rather just keep it. Hey, this is the playoff round, and then like I said, the quarterfinal, semifinal, and the finals. Yeah, okay, we can name that. Or like I said, that I would rather have that be neutral site, especially once you get closer to the end. These games really matter. Let's take the influence away of of the home team, and hey, let's we're gonna send Georgia to go play in the Fiesta Bowl if they're in the number one seed, and so on, um, like they should have done this year, but um. I wouldn't want to name like just the, the first round playoff game. Hey, this is the the Birmingham Bowl, and it's being played in
2: you know
0: Ohio State or whatever. I, I just, I just yeah. say
2: that because uh, the reason these bowls are like this and have the names is because of the money aspect. Yeah. So I mean, I think that I mean I would say like, okay, first wait, round wait, playoff
0: wait. game sponsored by, but I right. I, know, I no, no, wouldn't no, want right. it to just be if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like I have a problem with that. That's so. what I meant. That's okay, what I meant. Okay, in right. those terms, so I see what you're saying. That they
2: should name like the horseshoe the tax layer bowl or whatever. Right. I'm just uh, yeah. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, Ohio state's going to play Toledo in the first round of the playoffs. And it's going to be mm-hmm. sponsored by taxpayer or whatever. Yeah. That, like that, you were
0: saying, I agree. Yeah, with that. that makes a lot more sense. All
2: right. Uh, moving
0: on, we have dodged it for long enough on this show, but it is finally time. We're going to debate MJ versus LeBron. Or if we think anybody else in the history of the NBA or playing currently, it would be considered the goat of the NBA. Um, Slade, we'll have you go first on this one. Your your thoughts on the GOAT of the NBA.
2: Well, I I think there's a lot of debate, especially recently with LeBron passing up MJ in, I think, every statistical category now, Mm -hmm. except for uh, like MVP, championship, those those sort of things. But in terms of like scoring and statistic parts like that, um, I'm pretty sure that he's now passed him in all categories. I still don't like LeBron. So I'm going with MJ. Uh, the reason why I think he's the GOAT is because when you look at their all-time career regular season win percentage, MJ, not going to add to his anymore. He's 65.9%. Uh, Braun is a half percent lower than him. Now he's played four more seasons, so it's a little bit more difficult to keep that 65% that he's been able to hold. But um, some would say that Maybe the, the game was a little harder at one point versus another. I mean, it can be argued both ways. Um, career accolades, MJ has six championships. Braun has four. MJ also has six MVP finals, uh, final MVP awards. Braun has the four from when he went. Um, Jordan has four MVP, or no, wait, sorry. He has five regular MVP seasonal awards. LeBron has uh, four, so he's got one more there. Uh, In terms of scoring titles, LeBron has one, MJ has ten, and MJ is one of only two people that have also Defensive Player of the Year awards. LeBron is not the other.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, Just when you look at comparisons, uh, averaging their seasons out, um, MJ averages three more points points per game, and one more steal per game. LeBron averages one more assist, and two more rebounds, but I have reasons for that. Um, MJ has one less assist due to him having to carry his team. Mm-hmm. He had to take the shot knowing it was going to go in versus hand the ball off to somebody and hope it goes in. Um, he has two less rebounds than LeBron average because he didn't feel like risking an ankle injury going up for the ball. He had to carry his team. He knew it. Um, not to say that LeBron is injury prone or anything like that because he, he is definitely stood versus time but um yeah and i and i just think that in terms of a lot of these different accolades and stuff like that i think it was a much more aggressive style of play when mj played versus when lebron played i mean just blowing in someone's ear nowadays is a technical i mean you could punch someone in the face at some points in these older games and they were okay with it so (laughs) i think that a lot of these reasons are why i put mj over lebron and also just because I don't like LeBron.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm also for Jordan, but I, I, I'll i give my future, who I think could possibly take over as the GOAT. Uh, the, the only reason – I didn't even bring championships into the argument just because I feel like championships are a team aspect. I did bring up the, the MVPs and the finals MVPs like you had already mentioned. Um, and I put those two head-to-head. Uh, and again, yeah, LeBron James, he, does, he has passed Michael Jordan scoring. Uh, more assists, steals, field goals made, field goals attempted. Um, he is also interestingly though uh, between leading the the league in all time field goals made and field goals attempted, he's not in the top ten of field goal percentage. Uh, but he also leads the league in turnovers and in, in career turnovers more than Russell Westbrook and James Harden, which I thought was surprising. Um, but th- between the two, if you look at it as well, um, LeBron has also already played five more seasons than MJ. Um, MJ averaged more points a season than LeBron did. Uh, MJ averaged twenty or two thousand one hundred fifty-three points per season. Uh, LeBron has averaged one thousand eight hundred eighty-three points per season. Um, so yeah, while while he has passed uh, MJ in a lot of these aspects, um, it's because he's played five more years. In my eyes. Um, if Jordan wanted to come back and play at the Wizards, I don't think there's any question <laughs> as to, you know, where he belongs on the, on this list. Um, but the, the other way I looked at it is who, who has done more for the game of basketball. I, I feel like, and I was thinking about this more earlier, I think the age of social media has ruined LeBron's legacy. Uh, almost to the point where, you know, anybody can pick up the, their phone and, and say a lot of these things on here. Um, LeBron can go on Twitter and run his mouth. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Everybody has the right to do that, but it's led to a lot more controversy for him. We're back in the day. MJ was doing a lot of stuff that nobody knew about because nobody could get on Twitter and say, Oh my God, I just saw MJ doing this and this. And, you know, for years it was kept under wraps. And again, it's never been proven, but MJ was benched for a year or basically suspended for a year. That's why he went and played baseball for gambling and all this other stuff. Jordan's legacy would have been, I feel like, in a lot more question had social media been around back then or, or had he been playing now and had to deal with a lot of these things. I think LeBron does get a lot of undeserved hate at times because of just the way social media works and, and how everything kind of revolves around him if you think about it. Are there things that he's done that's questionable or, or annoying? Yeah, there's times where I just turn off my phone and I see LeBron pop up. But again, I, I feel like it, it's a lot of unfairness just because of the age that he's playing in now, Um, you know, back in the day, people used to compare, okay, well, this guy's going to be the next Bolt Chamberlain. This guy's going to be the next Dr. J and so on. And it wasn't really a problem. And then all of a sudden here comes LeBron as the internet started the boom and everybody's like, this guy's the next MJ. And everybody's coming out defending MJ. And it's got him a lot of undeserved hate at times, but he's also done things at times to deserve that hate. And I feel like that's what has tarnished his legacy so much um not again back to my original point i'm not saying mj hasn't done great things for the community or gotten a lot of people involved in basketball i I just remember everybody growing up wanted to be like mj and i don't know a lot of people now that want to be like lebron like kids growing up they want to be the next step or you know somebody who isn't always getting the hate because of just the way social media treats them i don't know if that point makes sense uh but i'll let nick go ahead and defend lebron for a minute uh, before I give who I think is the future, you know, or could possibly become the future goat in the NBA.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you guys brought up a lot of the points you did. It saved me some time. You read out some statistics there. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, no, really, uh, I think it might have been said, but steals is the only thing that LeBron has less of uh, than Michael Jordan. LeBron has played five more seasons, 316 games more, um, at least at the time that I looked. I don't know if I, it said that it was accurate to this season, so I'm going to assume so. Um, hopefully, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, so I do want to start out before I really say anything else and say that I actually hate the goat debate. Um, I sent a video to you guys on Instagram a while back that said the only true goat of their sport is Wayne Gretzky. Um, I, I, don't, I, I haven't heard anybody ever say that he wasn't, um, whereas there's a debate for anybody else, but the reason I hate it is the main reason, not main reason, but one of the big reasons that both you guys brought up and that's just the fact that it was two different eras. Um, Michael Jordan's era was more defense, more physical. It was harder to score, whereas LeBron's era in this current era is more – it's harder to score more than the other team Mm -hmm. because points come so much. It's hard to see a game where both teams don't have over 100 points. It's just completely different eras. Now, with all that being said, um, one thing that you guys – you did bring up the finals records, um, which I was surprised it didn't go the way I, I thought it would when you guys brought up uh, the Jordan's final record. You did mention um, Jordan had six rings. Braun had four. A lot of people like say, oh, well, you know, Braun lost as many as Michael Jordan won and Michael Jordan never lost a final. Um, Michael Jordan also lost more first rounds. Braun didn't lose a first round in the playoffs till last year. I always thought that was kind of funny, like as if losing in the first round was somehow more impressive than losing in the finals. Um, but regardless, when you get to the playoffs, it's good competition. Um, it's really hard to go by that. As far as series records in the playoffs, they're actually a lot closer than I thought they were going to be. I thought Jordan was going to have a way higher win percentage as far as playoff series go. Um, but it's actually Braun is 36 and 10 at 0.78 and Jordan was uh, 30 and 7 at 0.81. Um, like I said, I was very surprised by that. LeBron dominates in almost all statistical categories, mainly because he's played a long time. And I don't think that people give that enough credit. It is hard to play any professional sport at a high enough level to play for. He's played basketball in the NBA longer than he hasn't in his lifetime, I think. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's great. Maybe I'm thinking of Tom Brady yeah, in the NFL. I think he, but, yeah, because he, no, he, he
0: turned pro at 18. Yeah, because c- yeah,
1: he would have been 18. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, which that longevity itself, like people always say like, oh, well, it's because he takes these, like, you know, these games off or whatever. Jordan wouldn't have done that. I understand um, I think that the league is more of a business, what, well, not think, I know the league is more of a business nowadays than it was back when Jordan played. Um, this man spends $10 million a year on his body to make sure that he can continue to keep playing at a very high level. Um, so just, you know, one of those things where you can't really measure that, but I think that a lot of people tend to forget that. And I don't think that that necessarily helps the goat debate, um, because playing a sport longer doesn't necessarily make you better at it. Um, but just something that I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I said, LeBron plays in a league now where scoring is, it's a dime a dozen basically. Um, and when I look back at Jordan and some of the teams that he played in the finals versus LeBron and some of the teams that he's had to go through, I like, I know people like to bring up the Celtics and the Mavericks early on in his career when he lost, um, even when he was in Miami, which was still early on because he's played so damn long. Um, but Jordan, when I look at the teams Jordan had to play, Jordan never had to play a 73 and win, win Warriors team, and I, I think that for me is the biggest thing that I look at. Now, yes, I know LeBron. You know, it wasn't like it was LeBron one on five against these guys. Um, but for yeah, you know, everybody likes talking about the super team. Everybody does it. Um, you think about the Warriors, the Celtics were a super team. They just happened to build it like naturally and got absolutely lucky. Uh, got Kevin Garnett. Not that that was lucky. They knew he was good when he got him, but you know what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, Braun had Wade when he went to Miami. Everybody likes to bring up Chris, ba- Chris Bosch. He was an all-star. Everybody forgets that Chris Bosch was aging in Miami. He was still a very good center, um, one of the best in the league, but he was aging, especially the last season that um, him and Braun played together. Uh, I think it was towards the end of that season or right after that season that Boss ended up or Boss Bosch ended up figuring out he had heart conditions, all this stuff. He just he wasn't the dominant Chris Bosch that he was kind of before LeBron got there and maybe the first year in Miami. And then the other one is Kyrie and Kevin Love in Cleveland. Um I- I'll give Kyrie the, the credit all day. Kevin Love was not no dominant Kevin Love at any point in time when he was in Cleveland. He made some good plays, but Um, uh, the, the other big thing that stuck out to me when I have this conversation with people, because again, I don't like the debate, but I enjoy having the conversation because I enjoy other people's opinions. And sometimes it opens myself up to things that I hadn't necessarily thought of. One thing that comes up to me is people bring up the Ray Allen three point shot in Miami and Kyrie shot over Curry. Uh, I forget 2017. I think it might've been. Um, and let's not forget, like a slate brought up a good point that Michael Jordan was usually the guy that the ball went to at the end of the game when a game winning shot to be made, but there are stories. There's one that Michael Jordan told, he might've told it on the last dance. Um, It might've. Yeah. The Steve Kerr shot. Um, So like, it wasn't that it didn't happen with Jordan. I just feel like more times than not Jordan had the ball shooting that final shot and it worked out in their favor. Um, But I I did appreciate that you had brought that up. Like I said, Um, I could go a whole lot deeper into this really, in my opinion, this debate comes down to who you prefer and how you look at the different things. The majority of the people over the age of, I'd say, 35, maybe, 99% of them are going to say Jordan. And then when you get to the younger age bracket, it really depends on if you feel like Braun's a whiny baby or not. Um, if you do, you're not going to credit him for anything that he does. It doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. I, I grew up watching Braun, and, oh, it's a game six or a game seven. They're facing elimination, and he goes out and drops 50 points every single time he needs to. And I know Jordan did the same thing. I'm not, you know, saying that. Um, But really, I just think it's preference as far as which era of league you respect more and which player probably that you respect more. Uh, But I I just love having the conversation about it. Yeah,
2: and I, I, I think the more important thing to even mention when it comes to the community part that George and you had both mentioned is both of these guys took themselves from lives where they would have never been able to do something like this. And they took their ability to play basketball at the top level and they made a lot of money and they took that money and put it towards great oh, yeah. projects and our mm-hmm. help. I mean, I think that one great thing LeBron did was the, the school that he yeah. had started now, I think unfortunately yeah. during COVID, it had to close down for a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that there's a lot of great things that both of these guys community wise have been able to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I was trying to stay away from like, uh, Jordan's won this many you know, titles and so on, just because again, as soon as anybody gets into a conversation in a team sport and they're like, well, so-and-so, especially the NFL, when everybody's like, well, Brady has six rings. Brady didn't win those six championships by himself, and that, that's why I, I always try to stay away from that aspect in a, in a team sport. I mean, if you want to talk UFC or tennis or golf and say, well, so-and-so has X amount of championships, yeah, I'll sit there and listen because that's an individual sport. You know, you, you rely on yourself only, the team aspects. LeBron can go out there and drop 100 points by himself but if nobody else plays defense, yeah, they're going to lose. And, again, you know everybody's going to look at him just like they did at MJ back in the day, just like they do at Brady now or anybody or Pat or Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen. Well, yeah, they played good but not good enough. And I, I saw somebody the other day saying, well, and this is getting off topic from the NBA, but winning is a quarterback stat. No, no it's not. <laughs> Josh Allen can go out there, throw 100% completions, throw for four touchdowns, no interceptions, not turn the ball over. His running back can have one fumble that gives the other team an, an extra possession. They go out there and they score and they win the game. And so, you're going to sit there and tell me, Josh Allen, that that was his fault, that uh, yeah. winning and losing as a quarterback sat. The, and uh, that's just how I look at team sports as a whole. Is You know, you can't look at one person look, – look at J.R. Smith, uh, what was it, 2019 – he's the reason LeBron didn't have a chance in that finals because he yeah. took game one away. He took all the momentum away from them. And I, again, I'm not putting that finals loss on LeBron. I know a lot of people do, but that's why I try to stay away from, well, so-and-so has six rings. The bulls have six rings. You know, yeah. the, the Cavaliers have two. you know, that's how I would rather look at that than, um, and, and that's why I, I try to stay away from that in, in these conversations and especially any other sport, just because, like, yeah, I understand that LeBron had to do a lot to get his team to that point. But, again, you know, like we just brought up, Ray Allen is the only reason that LeBron has another ring in Miami and, and, and so on. Uh, that That's why I try to stay away from that.
1: Um, yeah. Before we one on Another thing, was, I just wanted to bring up a good point. Not only looking at one player, but just overall looking at stats. Like, so many mm-hmm. people, especially nowadays, you know, yeah, we just sat here and named a whole bunch of stats, but so many people – look at those stats and you know just even outside of this debate say oh this person might be better than no one watches with their own eyes anymore um i i think the eye test outside of like you know recruits nobody really cares about anymore like i can sit here and i can look at somebody and i can say yeah that person is a good quarterback that person might be top 10 quarterback in the league or top 10 point guard or whatever but their stats might not necessarily reflect it." it you know it's about the situations you're in it's about it especially you think about like football and play calling and stuff. It's about the coaching. It's about the environment that you're in. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it is what it is when it all comes down to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, before I move on, I did say, I think I have a future goat. And I think it's Steph Curry. If he can play the, the longevity that LeBron has played LeBron's at 20 years, he's going to be going on the 21 years. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt he returns next season. Uh, If if Seth Curry can stay healthy and keep that longevity that LeBron has, I think he absolutely has a chance uh, to put up a lot of the same same stats, if not better stats than LeBron has. He's already leading the NBA in in career three points made, uh, three points attempted, three-point percentage, and three free throw percentage as well. He has two MVP awards to his name. He only has one finals MVP. I think he got robbed of the finals MVP in 2018. They gave it to Durant. I think he deserved more. Uh, he had a lot better stats in, in that series, and I, I think he kind of got, you know, gypped out of it. Um, but, again, this is a, a Warriors team. Yeah, they're struggling this season, and I, and I understand a lot of the teams in the West have called up to them. you got the Suns. The Nuggets are looking really good this year so far. Um, and, and so it's going to be very hard for him to win more championships or, in that team alone. And, again, like I said, I, I the reason Curry probably won't ever get put in that conversation because, well, he doesn't have four finals. He doesn't have six finals and so on. But I I think those stats alone, he's, you know, 17,000 points behind LeBron. But again, he's six seasons behind LeBron. Uh, If if he can continue this pace, I think he can catch up to LeBron, if not, you know, pass him or Michael Jordan for that matter. Um, So, I mean, I think he's still young. I I think he has a lot of opportunities ahead of him. Uh, So I'm not saying he's there yet, obviously, but I think he – He's definitely somebody that can work his name into that conversation. We'll have to wait and see. I,
2: I, I like that, but I, I think that Steph, unfortunately, is too injury-prone for yeah. that to come to fruition. Um, one thing I did want to say <laughs> is um, some bad news that I just learned today. Phoenix is holding the Super Bowl this year. Yep, yeah, the, the same, same weekend, weekend as the, as the Waste yeah. Management Open. That's just disgrace. They could have played football in any city, anywhere, and people would have shown up for the Super Bowl. And they decide to go in and try and take up some of the buzz going on there in Phoenix for the Waste Management Open. I I just think it's ridiculous.
0: I will say every year that they've had the Super Bowl in Phoenix – I mean, the Waste Management is always Super Bowl weekend. So, I mean, this isn't the first time the two have been in Phoenix. Yeah, but in in the the same same
2: town, it's ridiculous. Yeah,
0: Um, real quick before we move on uh, or wrap up the show, I guess I should say, let's update you real quick on the Capital One Bowl Mania standings. Uh, We lead the way, we'll just put it that way. Uh, Ryan Peoples is in second and our buddy Jesse McGee is tied for third uh, with Joey Quayley, an ESPN fan who's not going to win anything, even if they do win. Um, So things are heating up. It's been a lot of fun so far watching these standings. A lot of very exciting bowls coming up. We have the – RNL Carriers Bowl tonight. Uh, speaking of bowl games that don't need to exist, um, and speaking of bowl games, while we're talking about it, uh, let's go ahead and remind you uh, that we have our first ever Swear Jar Sweat this Friday evening, uh, live on our YouTube. So please make sure you come check that out. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We got a hundred dollars on the Wake Forest money line. Uh, we're gonna be doing some trivia uh, and just discussing a lot of things. We're gonna discuss National Signing Day. Uh, and a lot of these other things, uh, we're excited to bring that to you. Hopefully you guys can join us. Uh, and don't forget, if you have missed any of our live streams throughout the year, or if you miss this one, you can always go back and watch them on our YouTube. And we hope you guys do that. Uh, thank you very much for checking us out. We hope you guys enjoy the new show. Uh, don't forget to join us on Friday. We will see you there. Have a great rest of your day. See you guys. See you guys finally.